This is a Podmax episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Well, hi, friends. Welcome back to Unlocking Your World of Creativity. This is a special Podmax edition. We are here at a Podmax event. It's a collection of podcast hosts, podcast guests. We're all learning and growing and expanding and networking. It's just a terrific event. So we're recording live during this event. And I'm so happy to have as one of my guests, Mitch Beinhacker. Mitch, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. You even pronounced my last name right, which is rare. Well, I worked on it all day. Uh, So... And I listened to several of your shows, which we're going to get into, and uh, they're just a lot of fun. So uh, when we just jump right in here, Mitch, this topic of creativity and coming up with ideas, being inspired, but also you got to organize the ideas and package it and make sure everything, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. And then you got to get the work out into the world. And of course, I guess, make sure it's successful, but make sure it's protected in your Uh, law practice. Mitch is a business attorney. He helps a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and other professionals, including creative professionals, you know, organize uh, their legal work to really get on the road to success. So Mitch, I want to find out when your clients come to you, they say, wow, I have this great idea and I want to make a business out of it. Yeah. How do you start when you're advising them? Yeah, I mean, usually they come to me and they go, I have this great idea and we started this business and they have nothing. They have a friend with a handshake. They put some money in. Nobody's got anything documented. And when it, and, and it's funny because we were talking off the mic. When it comes to creativity, that's what drives the entrepreneurial you know, mindset and, and the whole industry. We're all, we're all right brain. We want to make a website. We want to create this and we want to do that and we do that. And nobody wants to deal with the, the left brain side of the stuff you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's and, and that, that kind of stuff. So I try to get clients to, um, you know, get on paper with everything that they're doing. The biggest mistake that creative types, and, and let's not just say, you know, creative types are like graphic designers. I'm saying, you know, anybody who's an entrepreneur is basically a creative type, right? Right. right. So the, the biggest problem that they face is that they never I, I, I'm going to say never, but very, most often do not put things in writing. They, they rely on their failing memories, all of which we all have failing memories. Our memories are so imperfect, it's ridiculous. The courts treat them like they should be perfect, which is the whole problem with testimony and deposit. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You can't get, you could totally confuse somebody with all kinds of tactics. So all that stuff's totally unreliable. So People go into business, they don't have business agreements with their partner. They lend money to a friend for a business, they don't have it in writing. They do business with clients and customers and vendors, they don't have a written agreement. Very often than not, they don't have a formal written business plan that they can work off of and you know go back to their creative ideas or whatever. They have parts of a plan, you know, some things in writing, some things not, but they never really put it together in a some sort of a working document, even if it's electronic. So that's, that's like the number one reason. And it feeds into a lot of other problems that are created, you know, um, 
I mean, you can't you can't like not have your estate plan in writing. You don't you don't die and, and your wife or your husband shows up at court and says, well, Your Honor, I was just speaking to my husband the other day and he said we should do this. And the judge goes, oh, that's great. So let's do it. Does it work that way? <laughs> that's not you how it works. Actually, what you're describing is this snowball effect, isn't it? Well, I yeah. didn't have the plan in writing. I didn't have all these right. documents and I didn't have the partnership agreement. Correct. And, and now, it gets away from you. Yeah, now I don't have the will. What happens right. to the business or what happens to the product? I have people that died without the will. I have people's businesses breaking up. They have no business agreement with their partner. I have, I'll, I'll give you one example though. I have one situation where not having an agreement is actually benefiting to the people because there were three partners and one third of the, the whole thing blew up because one of the partners basically just kind of forgot to tell the other three, two about financial issues he has and tax problems he has. The bank discovered that, but he's now saying he's got, he wants his money back out of the partnership, right? But they've already spent most of it on legal fees, all these problems. He got some of it back. But he basically says, I'm not giving up my portion of the partnership until you give me my money back. Well, because they don't have an agreement, and the other two guys obviously have 66% of the business, mm -hmm. we're just voting him out. I mean, there's no, he, you know, he's not going to have anything to say about it. So we're going to file the papers with the state. We're going to vote him out. We're going to tell the franchisor he's out. They're going to take him out. He's going to be stuck. If they had an agreement that protected this guy's interest better, they might be in a more difficult position, but that does not mean that I'm telling people don't have an agreement. Well, it's just and, luck. And that's right. And we're kind of focused on the uh, negative side of things. But uh, one of your peers and colleagues that I worked with in Chicago years ago uh, told me, look, in any business, it's going to end somehow. Of course. You know, and, and it, let's take the positive side. Hey, you're wildly successful. You're going to sell out to a multinational corporation and they're right. going to give you a check with a lot of zeros in it. Uh, terrific. Doesn't it even more so than stand that you need all the paperwork done? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it obviously will make that transition easier. There won't be any fighting between the partners, but you'll also need to document everything for the buyer. The buyer's legal counsel, the buyer's closing team is going to want to see that you've followed corporate rules, that everybody's in agreement, that you've passed resolutions, that you vote. I have a, a business that I was involved with, a family business being sold. It was formed in the 50s. The grandfather, father have long since deceased. The children, some children are in the business, some aren't. We couldn't find any of their corporate documents. So we had to recreate these things, sign resolutions, make agreements between the parties. Other attorneys got involved. It got messy. So if you want to have a smooth transition, you want to build your business with the opportunity to sell it. A lot of business owners don't do that. But if you focus on that, what value can I create? How can I exit this or sell it or whatever? You're going to want to make sure that your documents are in place because it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a roadblock to that transaction or certainly the smoothness of that transaction. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And you're, and again, you, as you set up at the outset, you're talking to us right brainers right now. And uh, it, half the people have either turned me off. Uh, <laughs> they've moved on to the, uh, I want to listen to the fun podcast. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll at least say we're having fun here, people. Right. But you're also saying, Hey, this, this should not be something that you're what scared of or avoiding or, boy, I hate all that stuff. So I'm just not going to do it. Look, if you're going to be a business person, the law, the state of New Jersey, where I am, the state in which you're in, the federal government is going to treat you like an adult. So you can't, either it's a hobby and you're just jerking around and having fun, which is fine. Or if you want to make it some sort of a venture, it's not like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. Okay, you're an adult. So either you go into business and you follow the rules because everyone else is going to hold you to the rules, by the way. 
the government's going to say, oh, you didn't file this paper with the Department of Labor. You didn't do this. We're going to assess a penalty. And you're like, well, I mean, you know, I didn't want to do that. I was just having fun. Yeah, that doesn't help. So you got, you, you, there's no choice. Either you're going into business and you're following the rules and you're keeping up with the regulations and you have to file with the state. You have to know when you need workers comp for your people or you know a structure that, that protects your liability. And by the way, if you set up a company, but you don't follow any of the formalities and you're always taking money in the bank account for your personal needs because you're a solo and you end up in a lawsuit, good luck. You won't have any corporate protection. So if you, if you don't know what to do, go see a local attorney, find counsel to help you deal with these things that you don't want to deal with. You know, we don't do our, a lot of us don't do our taxes on our own because they're like, oh, go to a CPA. It's the same thing on the legal side. And I, I see what you're saying. It's not but fun, you're, but you're right. Fun. I'm a fun guy. So you come to the fun lawyer. Yeah, but, come to the, that's exactly yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But so many of, uh, of the listeners and uh, the people we're talking about here, Mitch, also said, you know, I'm going to leave the company I'm with, or I'm going to break out on my own. Right. Or I've used to be just sort of this freelancer one off, but I'm going to really now make it a business. Yeah. And so you're just saying, hey, treat it like a business um, rather than just you're a freelancer. Yeah. You got to file with the state. You got to form an entity, an LLC, a corporation, something like that. You got to put your documents in place. You got to start doing business with people in the right way. You know, people are like, I don't know, I can't ask him to sign anything. Well, you're asking him to pay you money. So you should be asking him to sign something. If you can't, then maybe you should think twice about doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's and where the, the, and if the, you want to charge more, you're going to have a business mentality. I mean, that's another problem, right? You're doing business with people. You have nothing in writing. How do you raise your prices? You have this course of doing business with somebody. How do you tell them what terms they pay when they got to pay you back? I've had people come to me. I lent this person money for their business. I'm charging them interest. Okay, well, let me see the note that you, well, we don't have a note. What about text messages and emails? Doesn't that make the note? No, it does not. The only thing that does is make it more difficult to determine what the terms of the note are. I love so it, it gets well, crazy. And that's where the title of my podcast came from, The Accidental Entrepreneur. Well, this is what I was going to ask work. you about. I mean, yeah. you know, this, this program, almost by definition, uh, The Accidental entrepreneur. This, yeah. this says, look, I fell into a business or somehow. Tell us about that program, even how it began for you and how you've developed it over time. Well, I've always liked, like you, I always like podcasting, listening to podcasts and, and looking to produce content for my practice because I'm not signing a deal with Spotify. Not yet that Joe, like Joe Rogan did, but you know, so it's content marketing for me. But I, I remember I was maybe watching a Pat Flynn video or, or something and it was like, you can start a podcast for 75 bucks. And I was like, what do you mean? I thought you need like a studio and like, you know, like boom mics and all. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So we bought some really cheap equipment in the days when it sounded much worse. If you listen to my early episodes, you can totally hear the difference. I had to clean up the, the audio. And uh, we start, I started doing, I had partners at the time and I was like, well, you know, what should we do? Should we like do things on law? And, 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 and then somebody said, no, that's boring. And we were scripting, it sounded very scripted, I hated it. And then I interviewed a friend of mine who was my first two episodes and he told me his whole story. And I'm like, that's great. We're gonna, I'm gonna tell people's story. I wanna bring them on, share. It's just a good conversation to hear about what you've learned, what you haven't learned. And then I was like, what, what should I call it? Now I get a lot of people that call me like after the fact, they're like, Mitch, hey, um, I got to uh, close my business. I'm like, didn't you tell me you just started your business like six months ago? Yeah, you know, but we were going into the winter. We didn't, we weren't capitalized enough. We didn't, well, let's take a look at your business plan. Oh, I don't have a business plan. 
So all this stuff. So I was watching something maybe on Netflix and I saw an ad for, remember that movie, The Accidental Tourist, Mm -hmm. William Hurt? It just kind of clicked. And I was like, accidental, the accidental entrepreneur, that's what it should be called. And there are some books, the accidental entrepreneur, whatever, nothing seems to be trademarked. I filed the trademark, but uh, I, I was like, this is perfect. So that's where the name came from. And I'm looking for people and I interview people who have failed their way to success, you know, but most of them didn't really do it with that much of a plan. Some of them, but a lot of them fell into it. And then the ones that start that are better planners and start, you know, putting things to paper and really, you know, become students of their business, have more chance of success. Very few people just kind of accidentally become successful. Just very few just doesn't happen. And those are teetering, as you said, there, you know, you, this is going to end someday. So if you're doing it accidentally, it might end sooner than you expect. Well, and if you're doing it in the meantime, yeah, uh, yeah like I'm, I'm still hoping to get hired. Right, exactly. In the meantime, you really I got one foot in the door and one foot out. Consultant LLC, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then, but also you have things that happen that don't, you don't control, like the pandemic and things that we're going through now. So if you don't have a plan in place that you know, way, the way you run your business, how can you pivot to something else if you don't even know what you're doing before the, the change happens. So, you know, resiliency is important, but you can't be resilient if you don't have your house in order. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Well, uh, Mitch, let's turn to your own creative process then. Sure. As you think about these things, do you, do you have an approach, uh, even to the advice, certainly, but do you have an approach where you look at these businesses and you look at these business owners and you say, this is my audit, you know, or this is my checklist of yeah. things that I'm looking for. You mean Tell when I'm working that. with a client? Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it usually starts with either a discussion about their business structure and I, I don't want to use technical terms, but like the way they govern their business, but they don't even look at it that way, you know? Do they have, if they have partners, do they have anything in writing, an operating agreement? How do they run their business? Who does what? Um, it always leads to a discussion of, well, you know, when was the last time you updated your will? Does it coordinate with your business agreement? Do you have a buyout arrangement if someone dies or wants to leave? Those are the issues that come up, right? You come in one morning and your partner says, due to the pandemic, for example, I've had this happen a couple of times, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to work here. I'm going to be a consultant going out on my own. I, I don't want any of the headaches. I'm out. Well, if you don't have anything in writing, you know what happens? They call me and then I call my friend Dave, who's a litigator. And I say, here's, your, here's Dave. He's going to help you while you guys sue each other over because you can't agree on the, on the value of the business, what you're entitled to. You put more in, he put less in. You've been putting all your intellectual capital working. You haven't come in. All those types of fights, you know, um, and then you get into the accounting of, you know, why are our capital accounts different, you know, and the mm-hmm. CPA is trying to explain it and the owners don't even know what that is. So a lot of it is taking stock of what they've done or haven't done, what the structure of the business is and what things are in writing. You know, you find out that you have the father who's deceased is still on title to the building, which is owned by the three siblings and the mom and she's developing dementia. So you have to clean that up. And then you, then, you, then you find out the brother's not in the business, but he still owns the business. He don't want to give his share up. So a lot of that need has to do with cleaning up and taking stock of, of what you're doing and what you want to do. I just had a meeting with a family business yesterday. One sibling's in the business. He's basically taking over the parents. They're not ready to relinquish control completely. The other three siblings, which do own part of the business, 
because there was estate planning done when the kids were younger are not involved at all. One of them doesn't even live in country. So, you know, you got, we got to figure that out. And they said, well, how do you do that? I said, well, that's my job. I'm the mechanics guy. I'll figure the tax ramifications and how we structure. You tell me what you want to have happen. And they're figuring that part out. But when you're amicable, that's really easy. Yeah. When you're not amicable, you got big problems. So you better, that's another problem is that people don't put things in writing when they're, when they're, when things are amicable and you're friends, well, we're friends. We need to put that in writing. I said, yeah, if you stay friends, you don't need it in writing. The problem mm-hmm. is if you're not friends and you know what, and we can have a little discussion about this part of my book that um, you would ask me about deals with memory and why you need things in writing. But there, and I, I talked to a memory specialist and stuff as part of the book. We do not remember things accurately mm-hmm. because our minds are not filing cabinets, right? We don't take everything and put it in that category. Then we need to go back. We, we open the file cabinet, we pull it out and it's all there. I mean, there are some people that have photographic memories, but it's rare. What happens is you and I take in information on an ad hoc random basis all the time. Our mind often doesn't differentiate between the event that's happening and other things that are happening at the same time. And it mixes everything. So especially men, even more than women, we have this box in our head and everything gets dumped in the box. And then when you want something, you start ruffling through the box and you're pulling things out that you think are related to the event that happened. <laughs> and they're not always related. Even these flashbulb moments, you know, 9-11, the Challenger blew up, Kennedy got shot, whatever. Most people's recollections are not accurate. So you and I have a business disagreement, let's say, right? Whether you're a customer or your partner or whatever. And our disagreement is based on the fact that you really believe in your mind that that's what we discussed and decided on. And I really believe in my mind, it's probably somewhere in between, but it's not so, and it's, so it's not like I'm just being difficult and trying to screw you. It's that I'm like, no, you're wrong that, you know, that I'll give you an example. My wife and I just bought a new grill. It was so bad. We made Home Depot take it back. And we used to have this old grill from a company called Vermont Castings. Home Depot had this line of the grill. My wife swears we didn't get it at Home Depot. We got it somewhere else. Vermont Castings discontinued the line. I even spoke to the guy from Home Depot. I said, oh yeah, we used to carry this. I don't know if we did buy it somewhere else and Home Depot did also have it. I have no idea, right? So, so that's the problem. And that's why people have to take that seriously because you cannot rely on the accuracy of your memory. No, and I think, Mitch, I mean, listeners, uh, you're probably sitting there saying, yeah, that's for other people. I really do have a good memory. (laughs) Well, listen, just think about the last, like, look, 24 hours. You're giving these personal examples. I thought you were making dinner. I thought you were picking up the kids. I thought we were going at five o'clock. You said six o'clock. What, you know, look, we we have these all the time. And and they only only escalate when it comes to when we signed up uh, this contract together in 1998. This is what we all agreed to. It's like, and you you still won't remember having said it. You'll be (laughs) like, I guess I agreed to that. I guess I did. It's signed. Some people still contest things. They say, no, that can't be true. I, I wouldn't have ever agreed to that. Well, it's in writing and you signed it. So at least you have that. I used the example of Brian Williams. Remember when he went on David Letterman? Oh, yeah. I think like 10 years ago or whatever. And he it was like the 10-year anniversary of this thing that happened when he was in Iraq or on, on assignment. And he he says this thing about being shot at. Two days later, somebody shows up who was one of the pilots says he wasn't even on the helicopter mm-hmm. with us. <laughs> so now, do you think Brian Williams did that purposefully to, to tank his career? No way. Yeah. 
he really believed that he was there. And instead of, of course, interviewers like Matt Lauer and these other people that have now gone off into the way, the, the abyss for all other reasons, instead of them doing research and figuring out, well, is it possible that he misremembered it or keep, they basically do it. Like how, why would you say that? How could you do that? Like they're so perfect. So that's the problem in the world is that we treat people like they should remember everything and it's not possible to do that. So that's a big problem with running your business and doing, because I don't want to get too stray, uh, doing business with people and interacting with people transactionally. If it's not in writing, and listen, there are some things that are done in a handshake. There's course of doing business that just happens in the world, right? But that's what lawsuits are made of. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all helpful. And Mitch, you, you mentioned the book. You're, you're beginning to document some of these stories and some of these tenets and parameters that you're putting together. Tell yeah. us about the book that you're creating. Yeah, so the book is called, and I, I can give a thank you to my friend Barry uh, Cohen, who's helping me write it because I wouldn't be doing this if I would be blank if he wasn't helping. It's like pulling teeth and he probably feels that way, but it's called 10, 10 ways to get sued by anyone and everyone. I am not a litigator, right? But I constantly deal with situations where um, people are, you know, lawsuits have erupted, disagreements have happened because they didn't do the things they needed to do. some of the examples were already touched on, like you know, having a business agreement with your partner, having a written business plan because you don't you don't even remember yourself what your ideas were and how to run your business. Um, a lot of things we don't put in writing with when we start having employees, so we don't create a handbook, we don't create profiles for the employees, and things grow and then everybody's in the wrong place. What happens? And and sometimes there's employee harassment issues or disagreements or, and you will be sure that you didn't do anything, right? I mean, I'm not sure if Andrew Cuomo is completely lying or he really believes that he didn't do these things and it was missed taken. But that's a good example of probably somebody who feels that he didn't do this and I meant this and it was taken the wrong way. Well, the way it was taken is ultimately going to drive that's, that whole That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of that in terms of you know, that, that's, a, that's the main theme of the book is, is putting things in writing. We also discuss things like, um, you know, proper insurance coverages and overlooking things that you think are no big deal, like cybersecurity and, and, you know, harassment, EPLI, things like that. So I talked to an insurance expert. Um, it, 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 I wouldn't say it's a, a comic book. I mean, it's not a, you know, a graphic novel with illustrations. So it's not that exciting to read, but Hopefully it's a guide and a primer where people can kind of look through the top, the 10 main topics and say, you know what? I didn't do number four. Let me read that par- read that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect anybody to read it cover to cover, but I do. Ex- I would hope that they would look at it and say, yeah, I don't have a business plan. Why, why does Mitch think I should have a business plan? Mm-hmm. And, oh, maybe I should but get it, a template. But it sounds like these that. are like real life scenarios that you've experienced. Yeah, I mean, I'm including examples <laughs> yes. in, in the book. I've, ha- I've had situations where I've had colleagues of mine or clients of mine who are lawyers, but they, they do something else. They don't practice law, but they think in their infinite wisdom that they can draft their own agreements. And they have these agreements that have like the other, very often, if somebody drafts their own agreement and they're not a business attorney, right? They leave out the half of the agreement that deals with if things go wrong. So the agreement is like, oh, you and I, Mark, we're going to do business together. And this is how it's going to happen. And you're going to do this. And I'm going to do that. They don't say like, well, what is if we don't? 
What, what if, if I default on my responsibilities under this agreement? How do we reconcile that? Do we go to mediation? Do we go to arbitration? Do we go to court? Who pays for what costs? All those types of things. And you got to kind of make it up as you go along. And so the agreement's totally deficient because the good stuff of the agreement, us doing business, everything goes, we don't need it in writing anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of it, because you got to remember what the rules are, but that's the part they leave out. Yeah, it's the safety net part. Well, yeah, what but, does the attorney do now? He goes to the agreement and he says, yes. all right, let's see, what uh, what are the rules? And he looks and it's blank. And he goes, there are no rules, so good luck. And that's what happens. That's what happens. I love it. Well, my, folks, my guest is Mitch Beinhacker. Mitch, before I ask you sort of the uh, concluding questions here in our podcast, first of all, direct people to where they can uh, read more about what you're doing and connect with you. Sure. My website is beinhackerlaw.com. You can put it in the show notes when you release the episode. Um, I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter. Um, any of the podcast episodes go out on those four platforms. So you can always, I believe there's a podcast page, The Accidental Entrepreneur on Facebook and on t- LinkedIn. Um, so um, you can always interact with me there. There are opportunities for free consults via Zoom on my website. I'll always do 20 minutes, no charge. If somebody wants to talk to somebody, something, send me an email. If they want to discuss an issue. Uh, and if they want to get on my mailing list, so they'll hear about the podcast episodes, hear about the book, any other information that I that I put out, um, they can, they can read about it. I have services for clients that are, you know, monthly subscription services where they have an online vault and I can keep all their documents. That's another problem. Everybody loses everything. So they go, you know, I know we have an agreement, but um, I, I, I can't find, do we need a copy of that? Yeah. You need the signed copy. You know, if you have a will and it's not signed and it's in some attorney's vault somewhere, you better make sure the attorney's still around. So um, I do a lot of that for clients to keep them organized um, and there's some healthcare, emergency healthcare features that go with it. They actually house the vaccine information now for my clients. Love it. So you get your COVID well, vaccine. Sounds, you put that sounds like there. some great resources we got to tap into. Trying to do that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Mitch, uh, we would be remiss if here we are at PodMax and we didn't talk about uh, what you stated at the outset, and that is how you're using podcasting to uh, grow and develop and promote your practice. Yeah. Uh, I would love to hear your creative side of podcasting. Sure. Absolutely. I love, I love podcasting as a medium for content creation. Uh, I speak about it a lot, especially for lawyers. If you have something to say, it's great, but I would recommend to people that they, what, whatever you do and however you set it up, consistency of material. I don't care if it's a blog or a podcast or videos or whatever. If you're not consistent, you're not putting it out on a regular basis. You'll just go off into the smoke of the trees and you'll never You'll, you'll be gone after a short period of time. So you have to do that on a regular basis. I've gotten to the point where we have episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. But because I do interview f- formats, I don't have to be creating content all the time. If I was, I, it would be difficult. So you could do it as a series. You could do like a podcast series on a topic maybe, and then do different topics, start different seasons. I know people that do that. I don't do that. Um, but if you're going to just get on the mic and talk every week, at least for me, that's difficult and exhausting. So you want to look into a couple of things. One is, how do you create the content? And you and I both know there's a number of ways to record the content. You can do it through Zoom. There's, there's GarageBand on the Mac. There's Audacity on the, on the PC, free software. There's software that you can purchase. There's systems. You're going to have to find a place to upload your, your content because you can't just throw it on your website. Most hosts can't handle that kind of information and media. 
Um, and then you want to figure out how do you get it onto the directories. There's ways to do that. You can do a search for an article. I'm sure you can find it. And for those people, and this usually happens, who say, oh, my God, I, I don't want to deal with all this stuff. There are services and companies that you can actually contract with and just go on the mic and do whatever you're doing. And you upload the file to them and they take care of all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that done for you service uh, would Correct. work for a lot of people. But yeah. I, and even though you have mentioned many of the sort of technical aspects that you need to do, uh, they are learnable. I mean, it's of course it, I learned guy, it if guys I like you I and I <laughs> can figure it yeah, out. I didn't know anything, and they should get a good mic. I recommend that if you're going to go. And I even tell people, listen, podcast guesting we were talking about before, like I'm yes. a guest today, is a very good way to promote what you're doing whether it's a book or a service or whatever, you just want to get your name out there, build your personal brand. Podcasts are all looking for guests. There's hundreds of them. You can go on uh, 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 podcastguests.com, podmatch, listen notes. You can do all kinds of searches and get out there. Put together a, you know, a, a, a CV, a media type of a thing. Uh, get a headshot, get, get a logo, get a good microphone, get either earbuds or a good headset. Because uh, the last thing you and I want is feedback that's coming through and not clean sound. And get yourself out there. And then maybe you'll think of your podcast later on after you've been a guest for a while. But it's a very good way and a, a completely costless way to promote yourself. Yes. And to get out there because we're all looking for good, good guests. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning uh, the family that put us together is Podmax, Podmax.co. Another very good platform, right. And uh, Mitch, what's been your experience in these Podmax events where you get to mix it up with, like you said, hosts and guests? Yeah, this is the first uh, time that I'm a guest. Um, I, um, I'm usually a host and I get to meet some really, really cool people and produce some nice quality content. So if, you're, if you are a podcaster and you're looking to grow your, your platform and make some really, really great connections in the industry, because I've met some great friends through PodMax and I send people to Josh and Eric all the time, um, it's, a, it's a great forum. And now that it's virtual, you don't have to like travel to Camden or wherever they were meeting before Yes, to get there, you can come in from anywhere in the country. So it's, it's nice because we're making some national international connections, but it's a very good way to get your feet wet, do three interviews in one day um, and uh, you know, create some content for yourself that can get, get you started. Even if you're a novice, I, uh, I love PodMax. It's a great, I, I totally great agree. Thing. So folks uh, check out that uh, podmax.co and Mitch, I want to thank you for being a guest. As I said, you know, you're often on the other side of this microphone uh, as the host. So thanks for being on my program and sharing some of the insight of your creativity. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I really do uh, appreciate that. And I know the listeners who have businesses that they want to create have appreciated these uh, lessons learned. We'll call them right. <laughs> certainly mistakes, but lessons learned. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Thanks, listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around the world virtual travels. Uh, we, we've been at all points around the world talking to experts about how they get inspired for sure. But like today, how you organize and document your ideas and then how you do all the right things to get your work up and out into the world. These are the keys to truly unlocking your world of creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you next episode. This is a PodMax episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98. 
and the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book.